welcome back to another episode of Duke Basketball Junkies. It's been a little while. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Michael Exa. Your other co-host, Peter Rowe, uh, has gone missing uh, for most of the summer, but uh, has just resurfaced, but is too busy today because he's playing day two of the main event of the World Series of Poker. We wish him luck in his place. Visiting from out of town is Devin Gordon, uh, who's been on the podcast a few times. Uh, you are now sort of in the the Jay Leno position guest hosting. Yeah. How are you feeling about I'm that? I'm feeling great. I'm I'm in person for the first time, so this is this is great. It's nice to have you in the new headquarters, the new Duke Basketball Junkies headquarters. Uh, Palatial, beautiful, orange. We have a ping pong table and a, and a mini basketball hoop. But yeah, uh, Devin is also an unofficial member of the uh, Boston Celtics uh, Summer League squad. I don't know if you're a player or a coach or part of the front office. I'm definitely a coach, if anything. I'm certainly not a player, but I have been... You were seated next to Taco Fall. Behind. Four rows behind Taco Fall. They were on the plane. plane. I was flying from Boston, um, where my in-laws are, to Vegas, um, and was seated directly behind the Boston Celtics Summer League team and coaching staff. Um... They were in first class, I should point out. I was in the first row of coach. Um, first row of coach is pretty strong for Well, you know, I, 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 you know, I had like, the, you know, there was a tiny upgrade offer and I, you know, I figured it would be great. Um, and Taco Fall, who I didn't even realize had been signed by the Celtics, was there. And I saw him in the terminal and it was just like, it was incredible to stand next to. And then... Well, for those of you who don't remember, Taco Fall was the eight foot nine guy who almost uh, helped beat us with... Johnny Dawkins and Aubrey Dawkins uh, in the tournament a few months ago. The tournament I've buried in my... Yeah. He's grown since, by the way. He is now listed at 7-7. I believe he was 7-6 when we played in March. Wow. Um, Which is just incredible. It's... But anyway, then I I ran into the Celtics coaching staff again this morning at a cafe where I was doing some work writing up my um, piece for GQ on the events of last night, the earthquake game, um, and the... Brooklyn Nets coaching staff came into the cafe at the exact same time as the Boston Celtics staff. And I looked down to go back to work, and then I looked up, and I realized that the Boston Celtics staff had left, and Brooklyn's had taken over a big space. And it just felt like like a mini-replay of the entire Brooklyn-Boston offseason with you know Brooklyn winning again. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess now I'm, I'm joining the Celtics, which seems kind of slanderous given I'm from New York. Well, the Celtics left, and the Nets stayed, and you stayed, so... So maybe I'm with Brooklyn. Yeah, I don't know. You live in Brooklyn, but maybe you're moving to Boston. I would much rather. I'm I'm relocating the family to to Boston, but we will be still very much in New York. We'll be having a place there to come back and forth to work in. So, the point being, yeah, Brooklyn. I'm all in with Brooklyn, much more so than Boston. You're in with Brooklyn, but you're leaving Brooklyn for Boston because your your wife's family lives there. Your family's from New York. Yes. All sorts of uh, crazy off-season stuff going on with Devin Gordon. Almost as crazy as the NBA, yeah. I mean, you know, that's probably a good segue into last night, right? Where we witnessed uh, a pretty amazing... That was one of my favorite NBA nights ever. All right, so let's set the stage uh, for, you know, people listening to the podcast, who knows when. Uh, Last night was day one of Summer League. Uh, I apologize for failing to do any kind of draft lead-up stuff. Usually I really enjoy doing it. Again, Peter was somewhere, you know, out in the Pacific Ocean. It's all Peter's fault. Yeah, he wasn't around. Uh, I blame him, but he. Um, but we ended up making our way to night one of summer league. So we sort of resume our story with Zion having gone number one, of course. Mm-hmm. RJ going number three to the Knicks, and I don't know if the NBA set it up this way. Probably not on purpose. They did. They did. They definitely. Did. But prime time, Zion, RJ. I've been a summer league for years. Like I've lived here for about nine years now in Vegas. And uh, it's gotten bigger every year. It didn't used to be that all the teams would come. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be that... It was t- chopped up over a couple of cities. Yeah. It t- still is, but but you know, mostly it's here now. There's no more Orlando Summer yeah. League. Yeah. Uh, Utah is pretty small at this point. But like now it's like this stage. Um, and it's become more... More people come into town that go to... You know, fans come into town. It used to be more insiders. You feel like you're at something private. Mm-hmm. Um and seats were easy to come by. I I don't believe I ever remember it being sold out. So it was sold out yesterday. It sold out today, uh, and it was really hard to get a seat. It's all general admission, right. and uh, you needed to get there three four hours early for the for the Zion game to, to 
kind of get which is you know kind of, of the seats. antithesis of the ethos of summer league. I mean, that's one of you know it's great. I mean, it was amazing, but it was one of the things that people who come to summer league love about it is it's just it's just hoop nerds, and you can sit right alongside an agent or a coach and have a really fun chat about basketball with people who you know love it and are following it, and it's still that way. Very much so, especially, you know, if you stay here past Sunday. But last night, it was like, almost like an NBA playoff atmosphere. It was crazy in there. People were standing throughout the entire layup lines. Yeah, it like, felt like that's People don't do that. Like, I don't know like, if you guys go like to Cameron. NBA games. Yeah, it was, it, like, like it was like Cameron. Like, that <laughs> doesn't happen in the NBA. People don't stand up through layup lines. And you get the feeling... That if it's like this for a summer league game, you know, what, what's it going to be like when, 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 when Zion's, you know, at Staples Center playing LeBron and Anthony Davis, who, by the way, were courtside, making their first public appearance together. So it was like this crazy confluence of events that ended with an earthquake, an actual, honest-to-God earthquake. And then... While everyone's sleeping, Kawhi signs with the Clippers and somehow convinces Paul George to blackmail the, the Thunder into trading him to L.A. Like He only it, signs with the Clippers because if they can make that happen. Only, only going to happen if they can make that happen. They trade every first-round pick for 12 years, every pick they can for the next 10 years. And one of the best, maybe one of the best young guards in the league. Yeah, uh, and it's like huge trade. It's crazy. Like by the way, and shout to out to the Clippers. Night. By the way, because this is the third time in about eighteen months that they have pulled off a blockbuster trade in total darkness. Like no one knew it was going to happen. And I... no, this isn't. Working. I must have clicked. I must have clicked. Right, Let's work. Get the mouse out of your hand. The mouse is now off the the thing. Uh, so we had a little technical difficulties there. Uh, we had gotten pretty heatedly into the discussion of Zion. So we're going to fast forward just for the moment from uh, from the talk of uh, what ended up happening with, with the evening with the trade. Uh, obviously, it was dramatic. It, it, it was a very memorable uh, evening. To, to be, And then the afterwards of it, the earthquake, which ended up stopping the game. And then the, the uh, earthquake of a trade. Uh Paul George and Kawhi going to the Clippers and the Rockets, or I'm sorry, the Thunder starting the rebuild and the Lakers, you know, being these uh, burned, burned again. Frantically Although, collecting minimum, veteran minimum contracts. Um, although, you know, they... Yeah, they got Boogie. They, they got Boogie, they got Danny Green, they signed Quinn Cook. Um, you know, for a scramble, um, you could argue that, you know, what they really needed was some more NBA players and not necessarily another star, although you take Kawhi Leonard if you're going to get him. But I think the Lakers are going to have a very strong season if AD and LeBron are healthy. Like they have, Those guys are still fantastic. It's just it's not going to be a slam dunk, pun, no, pun intended. Like It's not like they're going to be two-to-one favorites to win, to win the NBA. So like the NBA is now more interesting because there's so many great storylines. There's a lot of teams that are really set up to to contend not just this year but into the future uh the lakers the clippers the jazz built their team up with mm-hmm. reinforcements there was a there was a two-day period there where everyone was like oh my god are the jazz going to the nba finals uh no the jazz are not going to the nba finals the 76ers 76ers might Brand. be going to the nba finals now 76ers might be the favorites yeah. or the bucks uh the raptors probably have to go into some sort of rebuilding mode now um the thunder Rebuilding mode, which is, they're both very interesting kind of cases. Uh, the Pacers signed some really good guys. The Heat are like down there planning some sort of uh, usurping of the NBA, like in this, you know, they're like Dorn in Game of Thrones. Like, they're in the background. Everybody forgot about them, but the weather's good. And uh, Jimmy Butler's up to something, right? And then. Um, you I like the- him and Justice together, actually. I like the defensive intensity, the athleticism. The basketball smarts, the Spolstra, the Riley. I just I both, feel like a lot of snark. A lot there's, of snark. A, there's a lot of toughness to build around <laughs> there. And then I think you know one of the other things that people are only slowly dawning to as they you know just process what happened last night is the fact that this 
thunderclap is going to lead to another set of dominoes falling. You know, I think that there's a very good chance now that Russell Westbrook could be traded um, before the start of next season. Um, Kyle Lowry, it's, 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 it's going to happen again. It's yeah, like Marcus all Marcus all like all of these players are likely some of these players, at least one of these players is almost certainly going to be on the move in the near future. And it's just going to keep on going. The dominoes yeah. are going to keep on falling. And then at the center of it all, you have this transcendent rookie talent coming to the league who people are probably more excited about than any of them. Like, nobody... We didn't is, even mention the Nets, by the way. We didn't mention the Nets. They have K- KD and KD, Kyrie you know, in waiting and Kyrie Irving. And yeah, the next wave is the rebuilding Thunder, the rebuilding, you know, these teams. And then the, the Pelicans, who get David Griffin, and then all of a sudden they make all these moves. They make the big Anthony Davis trade. They sign J.J. Redick. Sign J.J. Redick, yeah. They, you know, and they the have... The Duke Pelicans. Yeah, I mean, the Pelicans are going to be one of the most popular teams in the NBA over the next... Five to seven yeah. years while Zion. So last night we got to see Zion just step onto the court. The moment he steps onto the court, it was so powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, LeBron's courtside, Anthony Davis joins him. It's First time they're in public together, we should point out, which is a not undramatic moment that got even more dramatic when Zion's teammates Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart, who LeBron had literally been trying to get out of Los Angeles from the moment he arrived showed up and shook hands with LeBron and AD. Um, That was cool. Like, that's the kind of stuff that happens at Summer League. And it's against the backdrop of, you know, Zion being introduced. Summer League is always this sort of casual affair. It's completely sold out yesterday. Uh, The building was like an NBA playoff atmosphere. Um, It was like like a version of Cameron Indoor where everybody stands up the moment Zion gets out there. And through layup like, lines. Just through layup. the layup lines. People were standing through the entire layup lines, which, you know, that that's a thing that may happen at Cameron out of necessity in part. <laughs> but, like, that does not happen in NBA games. And, like, you know, nobody is going to be showing up an hour before a Clippers game to watch Kawhi Leonard go through those layup lines the same way everyone is going to watch Zion do it. Like, it is a different thing with him. Yeah, it, it, it's inc- it's incredible. Like, obviously, he was famous in college, but uh, I think from day one, I think he's probably the guy people want to see in person the most. Mm-hmm. I don't think people feel that way about LeBron as much as they used to. Yeah, I can watch that guy on Steph TV. Curry is, you know, the Golden State phenomenon. But this year, it's probably a little off the rails. Zion... And the Pelicans, all of a sudden, you know, no one thinks they're going to win the NBA championship this year. But, boy, is it a driving force. You know, it is, it's pretty incredible. So, he comes out. He plays this first quarter against the Knicks. It's all set up. It's the highest rated national TV summer league game ever. It's, like, sold out. You couldn't, I couldn't even get elbow room in my seat. And uh, it was really, really something. Uh, Zion... Opens up with, they, they run the first play for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, Frank Jackson, you know, throws him an alley-oop on like some kind of back screen action. And the play resulted in a foul. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a great pass. But he, he makes a tough catch. But like while the ball's in the air and everybody realizes it's going to Zion, it might be an alley-oop. The entire building inhales, ready to like scream. And it didn't happen. And he had some dunks, you know, a few minutes later. Where everybody did go crazy, but I I thought I that was the take home for me. It was like oh my god, it didn't even happen, and the whole building yeah. you could feel the the anticipation, the emotion. I hadn't experienced anything like that. The so anticipation they, you know, will be there every second with him. You know what I mean? It's the it's this sensation that something stupid crazy is going to happen at any moment, and you can't look away and. It's constant with him. And even when it doesn't work, it's exciting. It's like, well, we should talk about his signature moment of the game. Because, like, to me, the when he ripped Kevin Knox's arms off and took the ball away from him. Seemingly threw him to the ground. Just, just. We saw him do this to guys on uh, Iona. Yeah. Or, like, Grand Canyon University. 
you know, Kevin Knox was season. a lottery pick last year. He's six nine. Kevin Knox is a monster of a human being, actually, like a like a rangy, broad, beefed up second year guy. And he had a good first quarter against Zion overall. But when he you know hit three threes on him when yeah. they were guarding each other, and uh, even I think he blocked one of Zion's shots. As, as, and, yeah, Zion but, was clearly, by the way, not in peak condition. He's he was just not, and that was partly. Didn't diminish anything, but you could, you know, it could almost add, add to the anticipation. But I can't remember if it was an inbounds or a defensive rebound. It's a rebound. Yeah. It was a rebound, and Zion just sort of lingered under the hoop. And it's one of those plays that'll just, it'll, you know, if you in the box score, it's a steal and a basket, right? It's a steal and two points that does nothing to illustrate how just humiliating what he did to Knox was. He just ripped the ball out of his arms and you know took two steps and dunked it and it was like that's zion williamson that is what is that is what is a difference maker about him is that that play does not exist for anyone else on earth right it's not something that knox could ever have anticipated happening and and it wouldn't have if it wasn't for zion williamson and that's man that's crazy yeah and the question really was like coming out of duke like if there was a question is he going to be able to do the things he did to college kids, to these pros? And mm-hmm. this is just summer league, and it's just a couple of plays. But it, it's pretty clear that he is going to be a physically dominant player. He was pushing Mitchell Robinson around like he was nothing. And Mitchell Robinson is a big NBA Yeah, and Mitchell Robinson center. was pushing back sometimes. Yeah. I mean, he was clearly, Mitchell Robinson is a much more developed and skilled player, particularly on the defensive end. And he, he you know, he owned... Zion a few times, he but blocked one of his threes. But I think, and then Zion was did not chase him back and gave it Mitchell Robinson an easy dunk. Um, Zion didn't even react in time. Yeah, one of those. Players. I think he was actually kind of surprised that the shot got blocked. But I I felt like, and I don't know if you agree, but I felt like the moments when Zion had a tough time with Mitchell Robinson, it was much more a testimony to the fact that Mitchell Robinson was really good than it was about, you know, Zion being, maybe being vulnerable. Yeah, you pointed it out during the game to me that the Knicks had a lineup on the court to start the game that you could actually see play for the Knicks. They yeah. had five that could actually play. Alonzo Trier, uh, Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox. Uh, they, they had, they're headlined by guys yeah, Iggy who Iggy like was on the floor who's, you yeah. know, who knows if he's going to play very much. But they had, they had good, you know, they had five probably rotation players and a couple starters out there. And they didn't want to be embarrassed. Yeah. Right, they didn't want to get crushed by this rookie, you know. So they were very aware, I think, and they were as up for it as, as the Pelicans were. Yeah, you know, of course, Frank Jackson ends up scoring thirty points before the Earth yeah. Day. Frank Jackson kind of <laughs> ran away with the game. <laughs> it's um, sort of crazy. Uh, but but the Zion thing, yeah, I think he was a little out of shape. I don't think he's played five on five competitive yeah, basketball yeah, that yeah. much. Yeah, I don't mean that as a knock on him. It's just like, you know, he's got to get back into playing shape. He's probably been, you know, having etouffee for the past, you know, three weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, uh, but boy, I'm never going to forget being there for it. Uh, his display, his debut on the NBA stage was pretty stunning. It was... Nine minutes, though. You know, like, that's the amazing. It, it was felt. nine minutes. It was just how it felt. And it didn't feel arena. like a letdown. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like, you know, the, the Carolina anticlimax when the shoe blew out. It was like, you know, it was electric for nine minutes. And everything that was happening around it just added to it. You know what I mean? It wasn't just yeah. the game. It was the scene and the circumstances and, the, and what was happening in the NBA. And it just, you know, it, it fortunately it overshadowed the fact that it was kind of a Terrible night for RJ. He didn't hit a shot after Zion left. RJ went a lot four of, of eighteen from the field. He sort of looked good in a few moments in the first half, but yeah. Luckily for him, it probably didn't matter. Yeah, it didn't matter. I mean, I, Trey, Trey, remember, remember Trey Young's first game in summer league last year was a disaster. The whole summer league, a lot of it was a disaster yeah, yeah. for him. And I remember we watched DeAndre Ayton last year for a half of a basketball game in person. We were like, I don't think he has it. You know, you you felt that way too, right? No, I, I was like, eh, I don't know. I, I don't think know. he's fine. I just, yeah, I just, I continue to think he's he's yeah. better than fine, but I continue to think he's not going to be a difference making player. Summer league doesn't really yeah. mean yeah. anything. It doesn't really mean anything. It, the, you know, the spacing on the floor is different. The play, it's it's a little more like uh, AAU than it is like NBA. But uh, the the thing that you take home from I took home from last night is uh, just 
how important his presence was to the people in the stands, the fact that they sold the thing out, the fact that just being there in person was this very, very visceral experience uh, that, you know, even in, we didn't have the best seats. We weren't in the we're nosebleeds, but we... You we were in the back of the lower bowl. Yeah, yeah. and from there, you could feel it. You could yeah. really feel it, and uh, that's pretty special. Uh, so, yeah, what, you know, very interesting night. That was the Zion RJ game uh, last night. Pretty incredible. Um, real quick, let's just talk about what's going on with the Pelicans. Uh, we, we talked about it for a second. Trajan Langdon actually joined the front office. David Griffin there. It's come, become a very, very Duke team. So Frank Jackson is clearly uh, going to be in the rotation, as he was last year, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he's going to start. Drew Holiday's going to start. J.J. Reddick's probably going to start. Mm-hmm. Uh, but J.J. Redick being on the team and going to create really good spacing, hopefully for Zion. Uh, I can only and imagine. Brandon Ingr- and Brandon Ingram. Oh, and Brandon Ingram gets traded there with Josh Hart and Lonzo Ball. It's going to be a very, very interesting team. Probably to... a three-duke starting lineup, right? Three-dukes players in the starting lineup. I think so. I think J.J. has to start. but yeah, He's starting. He's another, yeah. They're not going to start Etuan Moro. They're going to bring Lonzo right? Ball off the bench. Lonzo Ball off the bench. Um, it's a deep team. I mean, they oh, and, are. And Jaleel Okafor. Jaleel uh, Okafor. They, they picked who, up his option, although it's a little bit of funny money on the option pickup. I think he's only guaranteed 100. They could still cut him. They have no other center on the roster. But, like, so, I, I imagine mean, Okafor's friends with all these other guys, and they're probably not going to do him like that before the season. So, Okafor, J.J. Raddick, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and Frank Jackson, five of the 15. Um, and likely four of them really in the the eight or nine rotation. Yeah, you know who knows? Maybe Okafor will end up. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Duke, Duke, New Orleans. Basically. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I don't, I don't think Danny Ferry is still involved in the organization. But you know, he was sort of the he was the cleanup in aisle six after uh, in the second half of the season um, after they dumped Dell Demps and sort of led to the infrastructure that's there now. Yeah, and they have a bunch of future draft picks thanks to the Lakers. Yeah, they're loaded now. Uh, so Zion's in a position, and he really seems to have embraced where he went. Um, should we talk about the NBA draft and him? You know, him crying after being picked number one with his mom next to him, and the, the, the sort of like humility he showed in that experience, the the grace, the the willingness to express that uh, emotion on you know on that national stage. I just never felt like I liked him more than in that moment. Like every time I see the guy talk or the way he's handled things, it's just it's just been very, very impressive. And then I think that allowed kind of a roll of these draft picks to, uh, they kept bringing up their parents with them <laughs> to have these yeah. emotional reactions, uh, Ja Mora uh, and RJ, who went 2-3 also. And I mean, really I'm really... Nice moments on stage. I'm really grateful, you know, for the presence of, Zion around R.J. Barrett because in in many ways, you know, without the sort of affection that, that Zion clearly has for R.J. and that R.J. clearly has for Zion, it, it softens the frustrations that people seem to have with R.J. Barrett um, and about how he plays that, you know, actually have nothing to do with who he is as a person. Um, and it's unfair to him. Like, R.J. Barrett is great. He's a really nice kid. And... You know, he's he's he deserves to be looked at as a good guy and a good teammate and the hardworking future NBA star that he is. And in the absence of the the glow that Zion seems to put on him, I think people would be even rougher. Um, and Zion sort of blunts that a little bit in, in a way that's like, well, Zion loves this guy and he loves Zion, you know. You know what's interesting? Uh I feel better about last season because these guys like these other judges yeah. so much and continue to, to make that clear. Yeah. You know, even throughout like the early draft process and even the first game, like, I mean, they're, they're really sharing a lot together. And it's weird being a Duke fan now. It's, it's kind of has to be more than about the players while they're at Duke. Uh, it has to now be about the, the NBA and yeah. the way they develop and the brotherhood of it all. 
Um, and then other seasons, you know, you couldn't really feel good about Bagley and Wendell Carter and their relationship, right? But you could feel really good about Tyus Jones and Okafor and Quinn Cook and the way that mm-hmm. they melded together uh, and that they're, you know, probably still close friends. Um, it feels like we're part of the coalescing of these teams and it that's like a part of the measure of success you know it used to be like championships final fours acc titles hang yeah. a banner um which was always important but i don't ever really thought about the leadership passing the leadership baton it used to be passing the leadership baton and now it's like these guys get on campus and can they really come together uh and be a little bit selfless and rj rj really had you're right he had a struggle like Image wise, yeah. I don't think there was ever a struggle behind the scenes. No, there. Yeah. I, I'm, I, in fact, I'm pretty certain there wasn't. I mean, and think about how easy there could have been, given you know, given the dynamic that RJ actually was the more you know uh, ballyhooed coming in, and then all of a sudden it's the Zion show, and these guys, it just they loved it. They both loved it for each other, and I think one of the things that's nice about seeing this sort of friendship carry into the NBA is that that's. Look, that's how we as Duke fans, I think, kind of have to make our peace with experiencing Duke now. Like, these guys are, like, they're not going to be here that long. They're just not. That ship has sailed. It's not going to change. And, you know, caring about them and caring for their careers as they move into the league and grow, but also seeing the way that that pours back into Duke, seeing them back on campus every summer, the way it impacts the recruiting going forward, you know, I, I hope it'll help an evolution of Duke fans in terms of seeing the way the program works now, that it's just as strong as ever, but it just works differently in the modern age. It's just, it's not this sort of thing that's cleaved from the NBA where we look at ourselves as this hermetically sealed four-year thing. It's now a continuum. And that's really well put. And it's and it's Zion and RJ carrying that together, even though they're on separate teams. And I I really like that. I mean, and I like the way it makes me watch the Duke teams now. It makes me watch them more like human beings and less like, well, they were failures if they didn't make the Final Four, and I don't like that team. You know, that's just that's just I just can't watch Duke that way anymore. So, you know, and I, it's partly because of people like Zion and RJ. I'm going to love those two forever because of it. I'm so happy that RJ Barrett is a Nick. It gives us distance from, like, the result of a small sample size of tournament games. It, it allows us to have some perspective. Like, there are other ways to enjoy these huge talents mm-hmm. coming through. Um, and, you know, particularly when it's positive and they're, they're really, you know, put po- positivity out there mm-hmm. about Duke, but also just about their own journey. Uh, so RJ goes three to the Knicks. He's, you know, basically, I mean, the Knicks are, eh, nothing, they didn't get the free agents they thought they would get. Um, but there's an interesting complement of uh, veterans they did sign. They mm-hmm. have actually a pretty good young core with Kevin Knox, mm-hmm. uh, Trier, and uh, Mitchell Robinson. Like Yeah, and I think they're like plus two on first round draft picks over the next three or four years, which is, you know... It's so, not an uninteresting spot. It's a for, good spot for to RJ be. to be, and he's probably, he, hopefully, he will live up and, uh, you know, be a really good player and be, you know, a big star in New York. While Zion is cooking clearly in a, in New Orleans, I, Zion winds up in the the better situation, uh, and it's pretty cool. And then there's Cam Reddish. Yeah. Um, who I think also wound up in a really good spot. Really good situation. I mean, there's probably been nobody... Like, he had moments at Duke. He had good games. But he had a lot of bad moments on the court. He, As we covered extensively, he had a lot of turnovers. Um, he didn't handle the way we expected him to be able to handle the ball. Um, he shot pretty decent. He had some good stretches yeah. of shooting. He had overall, some big shots. Like, his moments yeah, were sort of yeah. big shots. Like like beating Florida State? He had this weird shot. ability to be almost a total head case in almost every other moment except just catch and release huge shots, which, yeah. you know, it's not um, such a bad thing to have. And, look, I've been not, a, you know, mo- like most Duke fans, I think we've been pretty down on Cam Reddish. And all you were being like, 
is this guy really a top 10 pick? Is somebody really going to go 4-5 for Cam Reddish? And then he ends up... Where'd he go? 10th? Fo- he went 10th, which feels like kind of exactly where he should go. And to the extent that I am still very, very worried about Cam Reddish as an NBA player, I just am not convinced of his mental makeup and his understanding of the game. That being said, it's hard to imagine a better spot for Reddish than catching passes from from Trey Young in a young team with a front office that seems to know what it's doing and knows why they want him and knows why they want to play this way. You know, I would be a lot more worried about Cam Reddish if he hadn't been drafted by, you know, uh, the Suns. Like, I think if, you know, if, if Cam Reddish had been drafted by the Suns, I would be lost. convinced we would never hear from Cam Reddish yeah, again. Yeah, you lost there. And we've seen Marcus Chris and, uh, you know... Uh, it was good from catch. Josh Jackson, wash out the hair. And, uh, the Hawks do seem to have like a nice young player development program, the uh, caring coaching staff. And it is a place where they don't need to win now. In fact, yep. they might even prefer not to win now. So Cam Reddish has room to grow and learn. No pressure on him to be yeah. like the guy to save the franchise. You know, and, it's... and it, you know, it's difficult. It's difficult, I think, to show up to a school like Duke, have to take a full class load have to manage the social experience of it all and like we take it for granted because guys like zion and marvin bagley they just sort of crush it right but like all right so cam struggled last year but this year his focus is going to be just on basketball right not that all of other life aspects disappear but you know hopefully the hawks help yeah they have good support staff around him he can practice every single day as long as he wants and maybe he's not going to, in two years, I bet he's not going to look as clumsy on the court as he did, right? Because he's going to work on his skills. And he's going to have the time to do so. You can only practice so much at Duke. Yeah, that always, you, you know? know, it's funny you bring that up because it always reminds me. I always, I often think of in these situations of something that Donovan Mitchell said after his rookie season when everybody was like, how did this happen? We didn't, we didn't see this player this way at Louisville. And just instantly Donovan Mitchell is an NBA player who can take over games. And people would be like, well, well, and he was asked about that. And he was like, well, this is my job now. I can play basketball full time. And it, it was like a, it was like a, almost like sort of aha right. obvious thing. It's like, he, he's like, I can do this all the time now. Right. This but is, it doesn't happen for everybody. It doesn't. But, but a guy like Cam Reddish and a guy like Donovan Mitchell, they actually have high upsides because of their athleticism. So a lot of times you see these guys who are athletic freaks, they, NBA obviously rewards that because they have so much time to develop their yeah. skill. Yeah, um, they're also eighteen. But, like and it that's, takes a while too. They're eighteen. Yeah. He's eighteen, and I think that he was the youngest of the three. I, he was the youngest yeah. of the three, and I so, think that the psychological component of what he went through last fall—you come in this incredibly hyped player who's clearly a lottery pick—and then almost immediately you're blown past by these guys. To the point where you're playing so poorly, you're getting called out in Coach K's office. And that's a hard thing for a kid. You know what I mean? Yeah. To, to, to come back from that, um, I'm con- I'm more confident in his future than I have been. Well, I'm glad he did well enough in the interview process to have somebody, have some teams really believe in him. And there were more than one, there was more than one team interested in him. He had a lot of buzz. He looked really good in an empty gym working out. No, no doubt about it. But also, he, he is a smart kid. Mm-hmm. He is a sensitive kid. He was dealt a dose of humility this year. And you know what? Maybe that will Maybe serve that'll him. Help. Maybe that'll serve him in the long run. So the other thing that happened, uh, getting back to Duke and the, the you know the college basketball team, I guess, is that uh Javin and uh well one Javin and, and Marquise explored the draft process. Right. And Javin came back mm-hmm. and Marquise decided to leave. Yeah. And I have no amount. I have zero criticism for Marquise. I I knew he wasn't going to get drafted. Uh, he he. We actually. I saw him yesterday as well. Start for the Cavaliers summer mm-hmm. league team and look pretty good. You know, summer league minutes don't necessarily mean you're getting a roster spot or even a two way. But he's represented himself well in one of the Jazz summer league games. He he went like five for five from the field. He had seven re, like ten point seven rebounds and a couple blocks. Uh, and he looked pretty good yesterday in his first uh, Vegas summer league game, so like good for him. I yeah. am rooting for this kid. Yeah, I, you know, I just don't think he had. I don't, I don't think he's going to be an NBA star. I, I don't think he has a, a, a big chance to make an NBA roster. But 
I could see him getting a two-way. I could see him playing in the G League. I could see him getting a pro contract in Europe. He's going to be a professional basketball player. Yeah, he's level. also, you know... The, and he, the, I don't think he needed the, another year at Duke kind of like sitting, coming off the bench or having a, as limited a role. He needs to expand his game. He needs to... I don't see any reason. Look, we're all supposed to want these kids to stay four years or whatever and graduate, but like he had already been at Duke longer than he thought he was going to be. I just, if you're choosing between the next year of your life, if you're Marquise Bolden, staying at Duke and basically, you know, the NBA scout, everyone's like, well, you know, you can start and have a month. No, guys, the NBA scouts know what they think of Marquise Bolden. They've seen Marquise Bolden. And. I don't think that there was a good chance of Marquez Bolden making some huge leap in the next year. And then the other fact is the NBA just isn't built for Marquez Bolden's anymore. It's just not the value of them. DeMarcus Cousins just signed a veteran minimum contract. Marquez Bolden just, they don't need Marquez Bolden's in the NBA now. Now, DeMarcus Cousins, it's partly because of his reputation and... Still. Is he going to buy in for the team? But I, I actually still don't sort of get why he didn't get... He doesn't have, there's more yeah, but what was he going to get? Marcus, well, well, DeMarcus Cousins, <laughs> it, 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 I would have at this point seen DeMarcus Cousins signed for maybe one year, 10 million, and been like, I was pretty good. You know, and yeah. that's for like three years ago, DeMarcus Cousins was scoring 27 a game, shooting a decent percentage, like ex- extended out the three points. He scored 17 range. a game last year. It's yeah, not yeah, like it's he like, was, like, he is a good player. And leaving aside the fact that he struggles defensively, yeah. struggles defensively. And like, Every NBA team wants a five that we can shoot threes, that can stretch on the offense, hopefully, and especially protect the rim. And it's not exactly what the Marcus Cousins does. Obviously, that's going to be an. Bolden is a pretty good shot blocker. Yeah. Um, if he could develop a three point shot, and there's no indication to expect that he could, but like, if he hasn't been working on that the last couple of years, in the expectation of trying to develop a pro career, yeah. If he ever wanted to make the NBA, he should have. But like, I imagine he's got shooting coaches now, and I imagine he's working on it. It's crazy how the NBA's changed in that yeah. way. But I mean, that's but, another thing about Marquez Bolden's career, and that I want to—we've talked enough about Marquez Bolden. But yeah. like, you know, everybody's like, "Well, he just needs to develop a three-point shot." Yeah, it's could, not that easy. No, no, you know, yeah, yeah. like it's—it's it's not like you can just go from the age of eighteen yeah, to the age of twenty-two and be yeah, a, like a thirty-eight percent NBA three-point shooter. That's hard. Like, most guys just can't ever get there. Yeah, it's not as easy as people say, although there's more guys shooting threes than ever. Brooke Lopez is of the world. But I bet Brooke Lopez worked on that for years, right? And he has a great work ethic. And he's naturally talented. And this never, I would bet never, that Brooke Lopez... Never unlocked that skill I would set, bet that Brooke know? Lopez could have hit that shot three yeah. years before he was taking it in the NBA, too. And that's, yeah. you know, that's just a you know, a challenge for someone like Mark Marquez in a way that, well, it's interesting. I don't know if you want to get into the new kids yet, but like, you know, Vernon Casey, that's not supposed to be a problem for him. That's why people are so excited about Vernon Casey. Vernon Carey. Sorry, Vernon, Vernon Carey. Carey. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I do that all the time with you guys. But yeah, do only one letter off. Um, yeah, I mean, that's who's left. And I wanted to talk about who's back and uh, who's coming, of course. Mm-hmm. So the big news that we, me and you never talked about was Trey Jones. Trey Jones deciding to come back and join Matthew Hurt in on this year's squad. Matthew Hurt is a top 10 overall prospect. One of these stretch bigs who really strokes, really strokes it from three, can mm-hmm. space the floor. Uh, rated very high. He's from Minnesota, just like Trey. They're friends. They know each other. And... Trey came back, and I think, you know, it was part of the recruiting of Matthew Hurt. Uh, and it sets up next year's team to be really interesting. Uh, even with uh, everyone who left, we, we returned kind of a deep bench. Yeah. Um, like, all the guys who sort of played and weren't quite ready to step up last year, Alex O'Connell, Jack White, who, you know, obviously had a very dramatic season. Joey Baker's coming back, who is... For some reason, a sophomore, not a redshirt freshman. Uh, yeah, we, we, we took his redshirt off and he didn't really play. We covered that last year. But Joey Baker's a sharpshooter. Uh, he's back. We have Javin back. Bunch of role players, essentially. And then in come the freshmen, led by Vernon Carey, who's a five-star big in the top ten in this class. Matthew Hurt, you know, similarly uh, top ten in this class. And then... Two kind of guys who are, you know, ranked in the 20s and 30s, 
uh, wings, Cassius Stanley and Wendell Moore. And I'm not sure if all four of those freshmen are going to start, but I'd be surprised if at least two and probably three of them did start, well, I mean, along yeah. with Trey Jones at point. Mm-hmm. And uh, take your pick. I'm not sure if Javin is probably in the Probably Javin, lineup. just because Javin yeah. is a senior. But, you know, yeah. but also, here's, here's one of the weird things about, you know, where we are with these prospects and what we really know with them, which is, you know, I talked to, because I work much more in the NBA, I talked to a couple NBA front office people, including someone with the Timberwolves, who thinks that Matthew is a very good, very, very good player, but a very college good. player. Like a Kyle Singler? Yeah, like a college kind of player who might have a pro career, but is going to be very good right away. Um, and at the NBA level... Cassius Stanley is the guy they're all drooling over. They think Cassius Stanley is a monster. Oh, okay. And now, who knows if it's going to play out that way, but Stanley and then Carrie are the two that um, the NBA folks have their eye on. Now, again, that's because the NBA game is a little different, right? It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, it could just as easily be um, Hurt who pops. Um, but it seems like Cassius Stanley is the one everybody has their eye on. Now, a, a, again, that's an NBA game thing. Vernon Carey is a, is, is a, is a sort of a prototypical stretch big for the NBA right now. He is a massive kid. He's 270. He's like, uh... He's the son of a pro foot, former pro football player, yeah. um, who can really stroke the ball, um... People are very excited about him, and he has a good chance of starting right away. I assume Cassius will start right away. I assume Hurt, maybe? I don't know. I guess it's a question it's of whether clear. he or Baker is better. I don't know. Right away, Jack starting White, kind of know. doesn't matter. I, mean, I, I think Jack White's going to still be relegated to like, minutes as a role player. Depending I think all on those role players are going to continue to be role players, yeah, and they so. will be better role players because they're a year older, and that bodes... I felt like, and I don't know if you agree with this, I have felt for the last couple of months that this team is going to be obviously less talented than last year's obviously. and probably a better chance at winning a title or getting to the Final Four. Well, because I, I thought, just think they're going to be a better team. I, I still think last year's team could have and maybe even should have won the title. I felt we as just, if... We were never a good shooting team. We were always going to have... We were always going to lose because of our shooting. It was always no, going to happen. No, 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 no. Let's relitigate just for a second. We, sh- listen. I guess we should have lost against UCF the way the game played we out. We should have lost all three games. But no, after no, the first no, round. no. We should have beaten Michigan State. Come on. They hit a shot at the end. It was a one possession game essentially, and we don't. We didn't run offense last year. We should we, have been in the game. Listen, with Michigan State. last night at the summer league day one, Zion scored four times on pick and rolls. All year at Duke, I saw Kevin O'Connor post this. All year at Duke, Zion scored seven times in pick and rolls yeah. uh, last year. And it's just insane to me that they weren't running pick and rolls with Zion. More, They weren't running more stuff. They were just playing that sort of free thing, isolate uh, RJ. They ran one screen. They weren't doing a lot of back screening. Um, it, it, it felt like the offense was under coach last year. Yes. Um, and if Quinn Snyder had been the coach and not Coach K, and I'm not saying he should be, but uh, the the team would have would have executed at a higher level. I think that's you know, fair. And, I guess and, I'm. I guess like, I'm. It's looking... not like that talent couldn't have won a national championship. That talent should have won Absolutely. a national championship. Absolutely. But God I think... bless Coach K for still being there and running this incredible program and getting the talent in because none of it happens. Without him, right? I'm just. I guess but I'm like, arguing all of the infrastructure being what it already is. Mm-hmm. The reason we played three games that went down to the last possession is because we were incapable of doing what modern teams do when you're more talented, which is you pull away with three-pointers. You, If you are only hitting twos in a tournament game where every possession is hard fought, you just don't pull away. And when you don't pull away, that's when bad luck can happen. And I just felt like from the beginning of the tournament, I wrote this in GQ, I just felt like that was going to happen once. Oh, there's my children in the background. Hold on a sec. So yeah, uh, next year's team is going to be a bit more balanced, I think, in terms of like bench c- catching up with frontline starters. 
And the other part of it is that that the talent will <laughs> it's not going to be quite as transcendent. It's going to be very interesting to see. Uh, we actually got like a big commitment for the class of 2020. Uh, Jalen Johnson committed a couple mm-hmm. of days ago. Uh, was it yesterday? I think it was two days ago. And he's a top five uh, rated prospect, uh, like an incredibly athletic wing. Uh, who's also pretty skilled. And uh, he joins Jeremy Roach, who's uh, sort of one of the, these really good point guards that we, we used to be able to get <laughs> with regularity. Um, he's the second rated point guard in class of 2020. And that's a really good start for 2020. Um, that'll be that'll be Alex O'Connell's senior year. That'll be uh, Jordan Goldwire's senior year. Uh, you know, so some program players are going to still be around. Uh, we're going to lose Javin and uh, probably most of these freshmen next year, and probably Trey Jones. So I'm imagining 2020 is going to be a big year of commitments, uh, and we've already got an early start. So uh, you know, I think we're going to be good next year. We're going to be good. Uh, it's going to be a, a really interesting team. There is talent and depth. Uh, and then I think 2020, we're going to be good too. And it looks like Coach K is just going to keep rolling. <laughs> it seems like it. I mean, he seemed, you know, when I was down there in Durham for uh, to write about last year's class, um, I spoke to him for a while, and everybody I talked to there talked about how energized he was, how good he felt how good his body felt you know he had been um you know i think the marvin bagley wendell carter year was not easy um in a lot of ways uh, it was physically not easy for coach k um well not because of them because he had that hip surgery yeah was but it hip surgery was it, i think this was another hip surgery yeah, yeah. um and you know it was not the easiest years with the team well, i don't think it was a bad year i just don't think it was as fun as sometimes they are this past season he had a great time I think that that's no secret. It's pretty clear. And you got to coach Zion Williamson and RJ Barrett. Yeah, I mean. that's really fun. And I, I like this group. I would like to take a pause and say um, um, a brief RIP for, for Boogie Ellis. I was really, really, really excited to root for Boogie Ellis. I've always wanted to have a player on my team named Boogie. And Boogie Ellis is such a good name. He sounded like he was going to be a really fun dynamic combo scorer who's like 160 pounds and just races all over the floor but things clearly were getting crowded um, with um, some late signings and I think Trey coming back was probably a surprise to him um, and so he transferred or he he, uh, he, he decommitted he sorry. decommitted yeah. um, and we don't get to have a guy named Boogie but yeah, I'll take Trey Jones. You know, I'll just take Trey Jones yeah. and his leadership and, and all the intangibles, the, the defense, and, and I expect him to be more of a primary ball handler this year. Last year was special with RJ. Uh, you know, Cassius Stanley's going to have the ball in his hands, but uh, I think Trey Jones, we're going to see a different Trey Jones on offense this year who's they're able to clear the room. They need him, really, to assume the, the leadership mantle on offense. More, last year he was a leader on defense, and he was yeah. sort of like off the ball a lot most of the time on offense. Um, so I, I'm sure he's, he relishes that role. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about the year. I'm excited about watching these young guys at, at Duke uh, or in the NBA. Your sons are excited for us to finish this podcast. My kids just finished their uh, movie. They were watching Wreck-It Ralph. Uh, uh-huh. you know, the not Wreck-It the, Ralph original or the Wreck-It Ralph sequel? I only have the Wreck-It Ralph original on that phone. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's all. That's all they get. Right. That's all they get. We, okay. we saw the sequel in the movies. They enjoyed that too. What did you think of Toy Story Four, Devin? Um, I liked it a lot. That is, it's, it doesn't. It's not really a movie for kids in a weird way. That was some heavy shit. Listen, they're all fucking dark. Yeah, all the Toy Story no, movies. No, that's true. Are they dark, are. But this man, one, they're, they're all yeah. There was coffin imagery in the first five minutes of Toy Story Four. Like <laughs> it was a dark movie. There was disfigurement. There's, there's actually, I think a. a a strong disfigurement thread through all the Toy Story movies, and it's true of toys. They get disfigured. Kids are horrible. Yeah, kids toys. are horrible. But the next door neighbor, I think it was Max. Yeah. In the, yes. That was the original Toy Story. That was awful. Huggy Bear, whatever that dude was, fucking evil. Was it John Goodman's voice? Yeah. Boy. I think so. Yeah, it was dark. The Nutcrackers I mean, this time was it the Nutcrackers or Disney movies? The... These are Pixar movies, but yeah. they're Disney movies and Pixar movies always are 
much darker than the, the children maybe realize. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also always shed a tear in the Toy Story movies. Did you cry at all? If Zion that? was a Pixar character, which one would he be? That <laughs> seems like a good note to end on. Uh, gosh, I, great. Well, you have an answer? <laughs> no, I actually haven't given this any thought whatsoever. Yeah, I guess Zion is... He's kind of Wreck-It Ralph, but that's not a, uh, that's not a Pixar oh, character. I like that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, maybe he's Buzz Lightyear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a pretty good Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. yeah. Buzz Lightyear sort of, like, bumbles his way to success. hmm So yeah. that's kind of like Coach K. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. Shots fired at the end of this podcast. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. There you go. All right. Well, uh, thanks for being on, Devin. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Uh, hopefully, uh, Pete doesn't win the main event, and uh, he comes back to the fold, and we get to talk to him sometime in the next few months before the season starts. Uh, yeah, it was fun. Uh, Summer League was fun. There's still 10 days left. I'm going to try to go a few more times, see a few more of the guys. Shout out to Quinn Cook for, uh, you know, he's going to play a lot of minutes and get a, a lot of open looks from three on this uh, very interesting Lakers team who, while we were podcasting, just uh, signed Rayhan Rondo, Rajon Rondo to, to probably be the starting point guard. But, uh, Quinn, and Boogie Cousins just before we started. Yeah. And last thing on Quinn is... He has this big brother, little brother thing with LeBron going on. He almost made the Cavs roster one or two years right out of Duke. And so it's kind of cool on a personal level that he gets to sort of complete that journey with LeBron, even though, you know, a lot of people are going to be rooting against this Lakers team. Um, no one no one's, no one's, from Duke is going to be rooting against Quinn Cook. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot of uh, really interesting Duke in the NBA stuff. And uh, we still, unfortunately, have like three months till mm. basketball season begins. Uh, but it at least will, it will finally get boring for a little yeah. bit. Well, at least we have a week of the summer league uh, left, uh, or I do. You're leaving town, but uh, good luck in Boston. And uh, over and out. Thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, if you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, uh, if you're still listening to this podcast, you can get us at dukebasketballjunkies at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to see Peter come back, please reach out and let him know how much you love him. All right.